You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Bulldog Hour's fourth season. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, great great to be back. We're um, you know, approaching the season uh, rapidly now, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited, and uh, we've got a lot of uh, good stuff to kind of talk about tonight and to get out there. So um, I think if you're not ready yet... And you probably are if you're watching the show. Yeah. But if, if you're not, if you're on the fence, um, you know, maybe tonight's show will be the one that gets you ready for that uh, that opening night. Yeah, hopefully you listen to, if not the first two episodes, which are kind of done at a time where people aren't really thinking about high school football. You know, it was the end of April, end of June. Well, hopefully you listened to episode three last week because we had a great set of interviews with eight senior players talking about this upcoming 2018 season. And here we are back tonight to talk about that exact thing with assistant coaches John Lorchek, Ernie Wolber, and Paul Covell. So you'll have two interviews this evening. Uh, first up is just going to be John Lorchek, the new offensive line coach, and then we'll have the two defensive coaches sit together to answer a whole bunch of questions about the 2018 season, which at this point, as of the release of this show, the full contact, all pads, three practices a day, plus films and all that jazz, that starts tomorrow, August 13th. Yeah. So they're ready to go now. They finished Heat Week. <laughs> yeah, they finished Heat Week. They're all done with that. They're acclimated to the summer temperatures like they haven't been working three days a week, three hours a day, plus 707, plus team. Like they yeah, haven't been but doing now stuff ready. Awesome. Yeah, now they're now ready. Now they're ready to go. Now they can You're handle... You're not ready till the PIAA says you're ready. Well, let's not talk about the PIAA. Let's let the coaches <laughs> talk about the PIAA because, of course, I asked them about the hot topic surrounding uh, Pennsylvania high school sports and also a variety of other things about the 2018 season and all that. So it was a great set of interviews. We're going to play those for you tonight. But like usual, we have a couple things we want to cover. And first up, the most important aspect for us in this uh housekeeping part is our sponsors. We want to thank my dad at May Sandwich Shop, Andy Herr, Matt Cruz, and our two anonymous sponsors. Thank you so much for your kind donations to help us maintain things here and get better uh, technologically, just be able to reach a larger audience and fill a role as kind of the outreach program for the football team. Yeah, it's... um. You know, it's great having having that support. Um, you know, from from the donors that uh, we have listed there for you. Uh, you know, so if you see uh, those guys, or if you're hungry, you can go. You know, <laughs> kind of uh, express your your thanks to them. Um, and you know, we thank the anonymous donors as well. Um, you know, they're a big part of um, just helping. You know, us and let's, let's be honest, a lot you uh, helping. Um, to be able to kind of continue to do the things and to add the things that we know and we hear from people um, that maybe you're looking for. So, um, you know, those those opportunities um, are there for you. But, um, yeah, I, I know that's what you're about to get to. So I kind of I, I kind of 
helps with that transition. Yeah, the in a fumbling way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have sponsorships and advertising opportunities. I believe I have those posted on bulldoghour.com. So thank you for the in-kind donations as well. Continue to spread the word. And like Justin says, yeah, like and share. Like and share. Help spread it, you know. Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Yep. All the social networks. Get our name out there. And the website is really a big place to go because that helps us see the type of traffic we're getting, where it's coming from, and how we can better get our content out there and help support the program in turn. So I want to step back and talk about the anonymous donors again. Not I'm not going to out them because that's the whole point of the word anonymous. But I do want to point out that uh, I don't believe either of them directly played on the team. These no. are These are friends, family, supporters of the program. This is not former players reaching back to us. Yeah, so, um, you know, we, we greatly appreciate that. And, um, you know, don't don't think, you know, oh, well, I don't have a, a lot to help out. Any little bit helps. Um, so if you're interested, um, be in contact with us, and we will make sure we um, find a way that you can help the show. <laughs> well, and if you want to get more exposure, you know, via us talking about it or – your logo or, you know, whatever you want us to talk about or put out there, there's many ways to do that. And that's where the sponsorship and advertising comes in. Absolutely. Because we control the, the game feed, the, the live feed you see on Facebook, that's done by us. And that's a way to reach out to a, a pretty large audience. We broadcasted the playoff games thanks to sponsors last year. Now all that money went to cover the District 3 rights fee. But the Wilson Football Parents Organization and Weichel Realty Group covered the bill for that and it it's not a small amount it was no. pretty big no. um that money for that and they stepped up and allowed us to stream that and in turn they got the advertisement on the feed and uh you know that reached thousands of viewers yeah so you know if it's something you're interested in reach out to me uh joe at bulldoghour.com is my show email or you can also email wilson bulldogs football at gmail.com yeah so big or small we're always looking for the help so thank you and other ways to help the program directly, and not this program, the actual football program, is the uh, game film fundraiser ongoing, as well as the game used jersey fundraiser. And all that money is going back to help support the program. Was already able to give Coach Dom and the program the money made from earlier jersey sales. So if that's something you're interested in. Definitely hit me up. Let me know what you want. And again, this is open to everyone. So this can be. Fans, kids, community, businesses, or former players and coaches. Anyone can buy any jersey at this point. So let me know what you're interested in, and we will make that happen. And the Gridiron Classic, we're not going to go over the schedule again because we talked about the first three weeks, and we will do so again as we get to the game previews. But the Gridiron Classic is October 5th at First Energy Stadium, home of the Reading Fightins, and it will be Wilson versus Hempfield. And it is Wilson's first game there in nearly 40 years and more than 35 years since they've hosted any teams out at what used to be Municipal Memorial Stadium. It's going to be a huge event, a lot of fun. And if you need your tickets, make sure you stop by May's Sandwich Shop and get them. We are selling them. Uh, currently, we just have the general admission. We're trying to get more reserved seating, but all tickets, general admission, are $5 a piece. You can also get them on the Reading Phillies website, fightins.com. But there's a, a ticket surcharge for doing that. So you can do that 
if you'd like reserve tickets, since we don't have them, you can go to, I believe, the Reading Phillies box office and get them there for $8. But we do encourage you to get your tickets early because the day of the game, you can get seats, but they're 2 or $3 more. So save yourself some money, buy those tickets early. And again, like we mentioned last week, if you're a, a Gursky reserve seat person or you have a year-round athletic pass or you got reserve seats or an annual pass for the football game, None of those are accepted. You must have a special event ticket through the Reading Phillies, through the Fightins, to get into the Gridiron Classic. Yeah, so so make sure uh, you you stop by, like you said, you stop by the shop and get them. Um, there are multiple outlets where you can get them. You know, the easiest way is to probably stop by the shop and, and buy, buy your tickets there. Um, and like you said, you don't want to wait. Um, and honestly, I think, you know, this isn't necessarily a season preview one, but as the game gets closer, I think, you know, Hemfield fans are going to be more interested as well. You know, if they're coming all the way to Wilson, going the extra little bit to the Reading Phillies or the Fighting Stadium isn't that big of a deal. So I think that actually might be a bit of a draw for uh, yeah. the Lancaster crowd as well. So you don't want to um, wait to the last minute here. So, uh, you know, do yourself a favor and, and go out and get your tickets now. A month before the Gridiron Classic game, Wilson versus Hempfield occurs in early October. In early September, the third week of the season, the second home game will be September 7th against Springford. That is the night that the Wilson Football Tradition Club is honoring the former title teams that played in the fall of 1978, fall of 1993, and fall of 2008. We've got a good amount of RSVPs from the 2008 team, so it'll be fun to see those guys come back. And we'd like to get more from 1993 and 1978. So if you or someone you knew was a part of those teams, again, it can be any level. It doesn't have to just be seniors from those teams. You know, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, coaches, uh, trainers, you, you name it. If you were a part of those teams that fall, please reach out to uh, WilsonBulldogsFootball at gmail.com or HallieVaughn at AOL.com by August 24th, which is just about a week away, two, two weeks away the deadline to RSVP for that event. It's always a fun time. The returning players will be honored on the field at halftime, and it's great to remember uh, teams from the past. Yeah, I'm still struggling. We talk about this pretty much weekly. I am still struggling with the fact that 2008 is 10 years ago. I know. How, I, how did that happen? How did we get so old? I, it's just uh, it's mind-boggling. people? We, I mean, because... 2008 is so significant because of, let's face it, the Phillies winning the World Series as huge Philadelphia sports fans. That was a big thing. But leading up to that, or really after that, it was Wilson football. And since I wasn't around for that year, I lived Wilson football through you. Yeah. And so I heard everything about how great that 2008 team was directly from you going to all those games and unfortunately having to hear the heartbreaking ending which we're not going to talk any more about. Nope, no more. Because you want to keep your job. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and we want to be able to keep doing this show. Yeah, we have those conversations off <laughs> yeah. camera. Yeah, if you want to talk to us off the record where nothing can be recorded or submitted for the termination of this show, um, we'll be more than happy maybe to do that. Maybe if donor levels reach a certain level. <laughs> we, I'll, maybe I'll we could my... have like an Bulldog Hour rated R, <laughs> which is only for members, you know, only for donors that give us so much per month or per year, you know, set up a little patron program. Wouldn't take as many takes. You to... can feel, you can hear our uncensored That's thoughts what, on everything. Wait, so, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you about this. After. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be something you'd be privy to. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's not delay anymore and let's get to the point of this show. Episode four of the fourth season. We're focusing here on the assistant coach interviews. Again, John Lorchak, Ernie Wolver, and Paul Covell sat down. But we're going to hear from the new guy. Well, the new guy in quotations because he had a spell with Wilson before. I believe it was. 05 or 06 or 06, 07, right around there in the, the mid-2000s. He was an assistant offensive line coach with Jeff Brubaker, who has since retired. John Lorchek now is taking over for him. I got to sit down and talk with him for about 20 minutes or so, answering questions about his coaching career, uh, the current team, and a, a variety of other topics. So let's hear from Coach Lorchek. Okay, so I'm starting off the coach interviews this year with the newcomer to the coaching staff, uh, John Lorchak, going to be coaching the offensive line. Uh, you're taking over for Jeff Brubaker, who's been here a number of years. And I know this isn't your first go-round with the Wilson team, but how did you end up uh, being contacted or filling in the role with uh, Jeff Brubaker moving on? I was here in 2006 and 2007 as the assistant to Jeff. And... In 2008, I moved on to Reading, and then I spent some time at Exeter, and last year I was on the Spring Ford staff, and kept close relations with Coach Doms, Coach Palm, all the other coaching staff, and when Jeff decided to retire this year, Coach Doms contacted me, so it wasn't like I didn't know the staff. In fact, the staff with the addition of a few other individuals is still the same staff that I was here with in 2006, 2007. Yeah. I can't believe it's been that many years since you're here. It feels yeah. like just yesterday. I know. But uh, I mean, we're happy to have you back and, and nice uh, of you to fill in for Coach Brubaker. Like you said, retiring and going to get to uh, watch his son play high Correct. school football. Yep. Uh, so are you introducing any new changes with the offense or along the offensive line, or is it going to be kind of the status quo? It, for the most part, it's going to be what was the technique, the scheme as in the past. Uh, I've built off of what Coach Brubaker had in place here and continue with what he had when he put it in place back in 2006 and 2007. Now, you mentioned being at a variety of, of schools and institutions in the area. Is it a lot different being at Wilson, or is it kind of how most teams operate nowadays? The difference here is the level of intensity. Uh, when you go to other places, depending on the size of the school, depending on the tradition. Okay? You just have a few things that are going to be different that is going to be there. With the background of the district playoffs and the playoff wins and the league titles, um, that's going to be at times unmatched in other places. So with that in place here, you have a difference okay, in that standpoint. And I know for some of the programs, um, the biggest difference is how the off-season is treated because there's not really much of an off-season, especially over the summer. Uh, at Wilson, you know, it's three days a week, you know, a few hours a day of voluntary practice, which you get a pretty huge turnout for. Uh, 
how, how did those summer sessions go? How have things been going uh, in the morning? The, the summer sessions have been great. The strength has increased over the summer. You've had an increase in the conditioning. And also, it's just the number of reps that the individuals have gotten learning the offensive scheme, going through the different plays. And that's crucial going into this season because with the now zero-week game, you don't have the two scrimmages that you have had in the past. So you're almost going to have to have everything in place before the summer preseason camp starts and get yourself in game mode that first week of summer camp because within a week and a half, you're going to have a game. Yeah, it is the, the schedule is something that uh, definitely is a, a big topic uh, for the fans, the community, and I've been talking to the kids and I'm going to ask the coaches about it. Uh, but I guess the nicest thing about the schedule this year is while it's different to have a lack of a second scrimmage, at least everyone's on the same playing field. Whereas last year we saw some teams playing week zero and others still having a scrimmage. And, you know, I've, the coaches I've talked to in the past have said that you can't compare scrimmage to a game. A second scrimmage is nice, but when you're going against a team that's already played a game, just the intensity is so different. No question about it. You, I've been in the situation where I was coaching at a program that had a game zero week and didn't have a game zero week. And just the fear, the physical exhaustion that it takes in a game is unmatched in practices. And going that whole four quarters where many scrimmages, you might have two quarters or three quarters of a running clock. It's just not the same intensity. And it wasn't equal. Now it's going to be equal. So how did um, the team camp go at LBC? I think you were there. Uh, how, uh, how did those uh, competitions, the inside running game, how, how did the team look there? Any, any takeaways? Uh, the one takeaway is just the ability of the five offensive linemen to work together, to mentally make their calls, mentally identify defenses. The nice thing about it at a team camp you have a variety of different defenses. You could go from an even front to an odd front within two practices. Right. Where in the season, you're usually preparing for maybe one defense or two defenses, but now at least at team camp, it gets the players thinking. They have to think fast. They get more repetitions, and they see more defenses at team camp. So I was very pleased with the mental and the physical I would say, growth that we made when we were up there. Now, did you have an idea of who you thought the starting five would be before the camp, or did it just solidify after that, or were there changes made after team camp? The camp was going to give us the opportunity to evaluate numerous players, and that's an ongoing process that will continue all the way through because everybody has to be ready to play. You don't know what's going to come down the road. So Wilson's been playing Mifflin the first game of the year since actually the last time you were on the staff. And right. this year it's a little bit different. We're going to be playing Central Dolphin the first week. Is there any difference in preparation from your standpoint when you're playing a team like Mifflin versus Central Dolphin? Or is it just pretty much as long as you go through what you want to do on offense, it doesn't really make too much of a difference uh, the front that you're facing? The one thing... When you that you face when you play a team with 
this first game, you don't really know what they're going to run because they've had scrimmages before, and many teams will just use their general defense against their offense, not show you how they're really going to play a certain team. Where this year, we have the ability now to see Mifflin against an opponent instead of against a scrimmage game when they're going to be against an opponent where you're in a game situation. So that's going to be an advantage this year. Now, when you get to play Mifflin in week two, you're going to be seeing a Mifflin team led by a different head coach with Coach Vecchio retiring, although just a few years ago, his replacement, Coach Lang, ended up being top dog when uh, Coach Vecchio um, took a, a medical leave. Are there expectations that Mifflin will do much different, or are they going to keep chugging along what they have for the last few decades? I think with the coaching staff over there, very much like the Wilson coaching staff, they've been around and they've been together for many years. I think Coach Lang has at least 23 years of working with Coach Vecchio. All individuals, as they come in, will probably have little tweaks and differences, but I believe that they have a successful program over there. They're going to continue to build off of their success. And uh, you'll probably see some differences, um, but I would say that they're going to go with what's been working with them for years. Now, the Wilson non-league schedule over the last few years has been pretty difficult, and the Bulldogs have pre done pretty well navigating through those first three games. Now, with LL realignment this year, they're throwing a curve and doing a fourth non-league schedule, and the Lancaster Lennon League decided to do a crossover game with the other league. And it just so happens that the one they'd like to see the Bulldogs play is Manheim Central. And um, from the people that I've talked to so far, Central Dolphin, Mifflin, Springford, Manheim Central actually might be the toughest of that that quad, um, which is uh, an interesting uh, another hurdle to overcome this year and having to go there. H have you interacted with the Barons much in your coaching career? Have you seen Mannheim Central yet? We could go back to 2006 and 2007, and for years that matchup between Wilson and Mannheim Central existed. I've also seen them as a coach at different programs, went against them in some of the interactions that were going to take place, and they are a quality club. They have, they're well-coached, and the crossover game, Wilson playing them, if you look in the past, Wilson many times played Mannheim Central. So I think both teams have an idea of the caliber of the program. Both of them are. And I think both teams understand each other pretty well. So it's going to be a challenge. Um, they're a great program. Now, are you a local product? Did you grow up in the area? I am not from the area. Okay. I'm from uh, Schuylkill County. Right. I went to Panther Valley High School, which is in the Tamaqua Hazleton area there. And that's where I, after I graduated from Kutztown, I got a job in Muhlenberg back in 1994 as a teacher, and I've been there since. Okay, okay. I just I wasn't sure how yeah. familiar you were with um, playing out at Old Municipal Stadium, right. uh, the first energy stadium. I wasn't sure. I uh, my knowledge is being around individuals that played that there. Did. Coach Doms played there for his career yep. during Muhlenberg. 
Um, trying to think of some other individuals like Coach Vecchio played there mm-hmm. when he was at Muhlenberg. Um, so I have a little bit of knowledge Pass just for down. individuals talking about what it was yeah, like I playing there. I wasn't sure if you had ever had the opportunity to go as a fan or a young fan. If you I have, to I did it. not. No. So then. Getting to coach there will be something interesting that uh, has kind of uh, was announced uh, after last Thanksgiving that they're bringing that back for the first time in o- almost uh, four decades, close to it. Uh, you know, it's kind of a unique, unique thing to do that hasn't been done in a long time. It's been even longer for Wilson. Um, you know, is there anything, uh, you know, that you're looking forward to in that event? I think anytime you get a chance to play in a stadium like that and also – carry on tradition that was once for the whole entire county with Berks County because if I could recall right there was games that were going to be played there on Thursday there were games there played Friday and yep. games played there Saturday so this gives the opportunity for many people in Berks County to come out to a stadium where some individuals remember going there like you said when they were younger and kind of reliving what it used to be like here at high school football in Berks County in probably 60s, 70s, and probably into the early 80s. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting event that I think people are going to start to get more excited about as the season progresses and we get close to that. Uh, But with Wilson playing the last week, they'll get to see a taste of it the weeks leading up to it with the other Berks County schools. Correct, yes. So, yeah, I'm very excited for that. I'm I'm, I'm very, very excited. Looking forward to that event uh, coming up uh, October 5th against Hemfield. Do you keep tabs on or keep track on or have any interest in the PIAA changes or the, the, the league, like the administrative level stuff? Or you just kind of wait till they decide what they're doing and then you just follow suit? I think as, as an assistant coach, you're kind of following suit as much as you can. You're consumed most of the time with just – preparation, getting your own players ready. Uh, I think your your ADs and your head coaches are more going to be have the on the pulse there. So. Yeah, so not so much now. We'll move away from the PIAA stuff because I agree. I'm, administrators and, and Coach Doms, they're going to be the ones that handle that. But I didn't know if that was something that the rest of the coaching staff talked about much or considered. Uh, but I figured that would probably be something that, you know, hey, you tell us where to be, what to do, and what rules to follow, and we'll do that. Yeah, I think, and, and that's been, I think, the main philosophy just of most staff is there is you have your organization, they make the decisions, and we go from there. You know, your ADs and your head coach is probably more involved. One of the other things that came up with an alignment thing was in the winter we heard the possibility of a lancaster Lebanon League merger with the Berks County League. And now that's been tabled and pushed off into the distance, but distance, but um What's your thought about combining that league to introduce the Berks County teams outside of Wilson to a league like the Lancaster Lebanon League? Is that something that you think would be interesting for the team, beneficial for the team, or just another thing like just tell us where to play and I'll be there? I think it would be very beneficial for the teams uh, in both leagues. You have <clears throat> teams that are that even before they were talking of the merger, there were teams from Berks County that have been playing LL teams for years. Mm -hmm. So in the end, you will have the possibility of a league, but it's going to be just like before they were playing many of the teams from the LL were playing many of the teams from Berks County, from the Berks County league. So I don't know if there's, 
going to be anything that would be different other than the league. They're still playing. They were still playing each other in the past, and they'll be still playing each other in the future. Yeah, the LL League is down to probably its lowest uh, Berks representation that it's ever been until they let Berks teams into the LL League. You know, we first saw Muhlenberg years ago leave, then I think Mifflin left next, then Redding followed, and Wilson's all that's left. Right. I know from a Wilson-centric point of view, I'd love for it to happen, uh, to, to see that giant league occur and have the, the big Berks County schools together playing each other with the big schools from Lancaster Lebanon League. But it's certainly something that's at least on the table for the future and we'll keep an eye on. But, uh, well, Coach, I think that's all I have for you right now. Hopefully, maybe I'll get to talk to you after a win sometime this year. Um, we're happy to have you on the staff and we look forward to another successful season. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Well, thanks once again to Coach Lorchak for talking with us a few weeks ago about the upcoming season, about his career, and what it's like to uh, take over the helm from someone like Coach Brubaker, who was here for a long time and is very close with the staff and the players. I know they're all sad to see him go, but excited to be playing for someone that coaches the way that Coach Lorchak does and is familiar with the players, the system, the community, the team. Yeah, it's... It's interesting because, you know, you alluded to it before the interview um, when you were kind of giving the introduction about, you know, quote unquote, new right. coach. It, you know, that happens so often with, with Wilson, with this football program where new basically just means returning. It, not not for everyone. It's not always the case. Um, we've seen that with some of the guys that we've gotten to know uh, involved in the program now. Didn't necessarily come through the Wilson program, but... Um, a lot of them have, or at least have some ties to the program prior. It's great to have them back. And yeah, like the enthusiasm around it, um, you know, th there were definitely some questions there, not now as much as like before, because uh, people kind of knew that um, it was probably going to be Coach Brubaker's last year. Um, so uh, to have, to have you know, somebody in there who can bring stability or maintain the stability on that offensive line, uh, coaching position is, is huge. Before we get to the next interview, I think we should go back to this patron opportunity here because <laughs> I think you bring up an excellent option for a tier where you, you donate a certain amount a month, you know, a few bucks, you get to eavesdrop or contribute to our Friday night Wilson football game text, oh our chat, which is just the two of us right now. Yeah. But, you know, we have and, a, a donor. And sometimes a guy who's helping us on the camera. Gets oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he can't contribute. He right. just sees he it. He just sees it. And, and I know he sees it sometimes because he'll turn around he looks, and look at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that good old uh, Justin Burke, who former player and coaches with uh, us out at West now. Uh, yeah, because he's using a phone that's tied into my sales service. He gets to see our conversation. Um, and I, I do. I think that that would be a great opportunity for someone to become a, a donor a patron and say, you know, I want to keep in the loop of Wilson football and I want to see what's happening and you get to eavesdrop on our conversation. I, I think that's that's a, a worthy level. Of course, there'll be stipulations where there can be no screenshots and no sharing what's said in that group chat uh, because, like we said before, you know, we want to keep doing the show. We don't want anyone to shut us down. And uh, some of that group, well, it's mostly because you don't want – to uh, get the program in trouble with what you're saying about the refs. <laughs> Let's face it, a lot of that is how could you make that call in yeah. a lot more colorful terminology. Sometimes it is definitely like 
me asking you, did you see that? Like, was that right? Or are you sending it to me? Was that right? You know, and sometimes it's really clear that it was or wasn't. And sometimes, um, we'll just say less clear. Yeah. Well, less, less clear, clear with a lot of four letter words. Yeah, but yeah. I, I like to ask Justin because he's on the camera. So if like I didn't have a good angle, right. I, I want to know, was that the right call right. or did we get a break or did we just lose one because of the ref or, you know, a missed call or whatnot. And that's usually what the conversation talks so, <laughs> is, yeah. is all about. So, but it's, that, that was just something that was brought up and I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah there, there was a play last year. It was interesting. It was an away game where I was on top of the press box and I remember it happened and like, everybody was kind of like, what just happened there? Um, uh, Wilson was on defense, but um, it may have been an interception. It may have been an incomplete pass. It was it it, it was really difficult to tell watching the the replays. It was incredibly difficult to tell live, live obviously. Yeah. But the refs were all huddled up talking about it, and there's news. Everybody like on top of the press box is huddling around like the news, like um like the TV news uh, <laughs> camera because he's replaying it. Like, what do you guys think? Like, what what? And everybody's like, I I don't. I don't know. Like, you know, it was yeah. one of those. So it was just interesting because we were all trying to figure out what just happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, so thanks again to Coach Lorchak. Let's move on to the next set of interviews, which was done together. The defensive coaches, defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber and defensive line coach Paul Cavell, both veteran coaches and veterans of the program, having played here in the late 70s and early 80s. And we got to talk about a variety of things, a lot similar to Coach Lorchek, but a little bit different as well, focusing on the defensive side. And because of their ties to the program in a different aspect, being former mm -hmm. players and getting to go back to a special event game coming up, uh, I got to ask them a few different questions, something we haven't asked before. And it was a lot of fun. It's a longer interview because of the two of them being there. But I definitely think you should give the time and listen to all of it and get to hear from guys who are on the field Friday night, uh, you know, going to battle via calls and in the what Wilson has become known as defensively. That's what the Bulldogs are known about. And Ernie leads that. And Paul Covell is in the trenches being that defensive line coach. He knows what's going on there. And uh, with the, having such a young team, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see them develop. And both of them have a lot to say about last year and this year. So let's hear what they talked about a few weeks ago. All right, with me now are defensive assistant coaches Ernie Wolber and Paul Covell. Uh, how was the off-season, the off-season, guys? I think there's not much of an off-season uh, for a number of years, especially at Wilson, but how has these off-season workouts been going uh, through the spring and now in the summer? I mean, you know, I get a chance to see the kids in zero period, which is our weightlifting period every day in school. So I get to see them. We've seen a lot of body shapes change, um, kids becoming stronger. We see a real good work ethic, good leadership amongst the seniors coming in that have led them pretty hard. Um, so that's pretty good. I know Coach does some mind stuff different times during the week. And you know, you yeah, can kind of I, touch I think on that. the yeah, overall team chemistry is good. The kids seem to be really in it together. Um, we had it coming off a good camp. Uh, down in Lebanon Valley, and uh, up front we're young, but the kids are looking real good, looking real good so far. 
how, how was team camp at LVC? Was that a good experience this year? A lot of interesting teams to go up against, a lot of team building? Yeah, it was a team building was good. I mean, I think we came together a little bit up there. Um, you know, we always talk about that. The team comes to build up there, and they did. They kind of got together a little bit. Um, the important thing is nobody got hurt. I mean, last year we had an injury to an offensive lineman, defensive lineman. We lost him for a few weeks this season. We came out pretty healthy, which is a good thing. Um, I did get a chance to see probably the best wide receiver I ever saw in high school football. Uh, playing for Southern Columbia. I oh. don't know his name, but he's rated the number one, rec number one receiver in the country in his age. Uh, everybody in the country's offered him. He's a legit 6'2", 6'3", 215, faster than anybody, a different type of person. And we went against him a few times, and we couldn't do anything against him. Really? He's, I mean, he is the best wide receiver I've ever seen in high school football, bar none. Wow. But it was a good camp, though. Yeah. Plenty yeah. of years' experience to say that. He must be... He's I wish I knew his name too. Because he's I feel only like, he's uh, only a junior. He's only for, a junior. He's getting looks big time at Pitt, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I, he told their coach, what's like the head coach's name is in Columbia. Um, uh, but he said uh, he's been offered by 122 schools. Oh my! So all of them. Yeah. Basically, they said the, the only the only he said the only top 20 program not to offer him was Notre Dame. Okay, interesting. I mean Alabama stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. his kid's good. Yeah, I wow. forget his name now. So, they're, but they're double A, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in good shape. They're in double yeah. A. Yeah, no. right. Exactly. You know, yeah. We, we did have some good interactions. Um, we played uh, some eleven on eleven and some inside run against uh, you know some bigger schools. Um, got to work a lot with our JVs. The JVs get a ton of work in this kind of atmosphere because a lot of the other schools that aren't that big or that strong, we can work our JVs in, and they get you know, a lot of extra work. So. Yeah, it was overall. It was good. We got a lot of work and we got to look at a lot of our kids. Now, the only team you saw that you'll actually see this fall was Cedarcrest. Yes, and had that go against a common foe. Yeah, um, it, it's going to be an interesting game. Like our kids are kind of looking forward to that week already. Uh, so, not to so be looking heard, ahead. I already talked to them. So. Okay, so that, I'm just passing things on from. I mean, you know, they've built some things down there. I think they went eight and two or nine and three. I forget what they were last three year. After the playoffs. Yeah, they lost in the first round, but they were competitive in section two. We did some battles, and you know that they had back to back win, winning years, and now they're coming back in section one. And they're like, they want to stamp themselves. Hey, we can play with anybody, and that's fine. I mean, our kids are excited about the opportunity to play them again. Well, there's a lot of confidence when you have a four-year starter coming back for his fourth year yes. at quarterback. Quarterback, and, you yes. Know, you're, you, we were familiar with his brother, who Absolutely. was a solid player for them the last yes. time they were yeah. in section exactly. one. So, yeah, I just heard from the uh, kids that they were excited to play Cedar Crest. So. No, yeah, they, were, they were a pretty spirited bunch when they yeah. went against us, and I think uh, our kids kind of want to see what they They're, can do on the field. They're ready for that yeah. game. Yeah. So what is you? this is going to be personal coaching ideology, the coaching staff in general, what was your takeaway from 2017? You know, what, what was the biggest thing that you remember from that season go, going forward into 2018? Frustration. <laughs> um, we had, it just it seems like usually we improve throughout the season. And last year, um, just from my observation, is we didn't get a lot better last year. Like we weren't a bad football team. Get me wrong. Some teams would love to go into semifinals of districts and you know have a successful year. We we felt like we left up a little short last year. Um, I was I was frustrated in part of I didn't see the usual progression of us getting better each week. We get better, then we take two sets back, then a step forward and two sets back, you know. And then we get in the playoffs, and I thought our first round playoff game we played was it Central York Red Lion Red Lion Red Lion yeah Red Lion. I thought we played our best total game against Red Lion all year, 
And then I'm all right, we go back to township. And then with the injuries, frustration due to injuries too. I mean, God bless Joey Fox, but he had to go in and start against safety against township. And he's only been off ACL surgery recovering for five weeks. And he was definitely a couple steps behind. Yeah, him. so he got thrust into it with all the injuries we got. So we never got a chance to develop the way we I thought we could last year. So for me, it was frustration. I mean, the kids worked hard. I'm not going to take anything from the kids. They worked very hard. They did what they could do. But we never got cohesiveness because we yeah. never were healthy enough to just keep going. It didn't seem like we gelled. Yeah. We tend to gel even if we take a lick. In the early in the season, you know, if we ever have a you know a bad start against Mifflin or Central Dolphin, some of the powerhouses we open up with, we tend to gel. We tend to get better and learn and 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 come together and grow from that. And it just didn't seem like we did. And I think the leadership factor last year, without pointing fingers at anybody, I just think the senior class. There was a lot of first year starters as seniors. They made they yeah. worked and worked. Now it's their turn, but they didn't really get. They were, there weren't a lot of returning guys from junior to senior class. You know, guys that had been coming up through that were, you know, homegrown kids that were, you know, I just think we were all over the place. As Coach said, frustration, you know, not coming together well. And then top that with some of the key injuries at key spots with Gilmore going down. And, you know, and it just we just really didn't seem to cohesively meld together. And uh, it showed when we got against good opponents in the playoffs. I mean, we played our starting secondary in, in the summer, our on-paper starting secondary. Didn't play until we played Manhattan Township for the first time in regular season. And that's the only game we had them all year. And somebody got hurt in that game. But that's the only secondary we had, our two corners, two states that we wanted to play all year. It's the only game they played in together for, I think they played a quarter and a half and then we lost somebody an injury. Yeah, it was unusual, the you know the amount of attrition, especially yeah. in the secondary. I know we talked to you after the uh, games and it was just we didn't know what to say. I mean, we were playing, no disrespect to the young men, but we were playing as freshmen and sophomore in safety. And that's usually the quarterback of our defense. And we're playing with a freshman and a sophomore. They did the best they could, but they're just not mature enough right. to be where they need to be. It's, about, it's the experience and the, the mental that you don't have in your first or second Absolutely. year in the varsity squad, especially with playing freshmen. Absolutely. With guys that you're not, even, you're not even really counting on, and you're throwing them out there to say, hey, yes. lead the defense. Exactly. So speaking of personnel, what returning starters or key contributors do you have back on your defense this year? Um, I'll handle the second wave. Uh, <laughs> Greg Smith played a lot last year. Um, Hatley was dinged up. He had his hand injury and then he had some family tragedy that goes, that happened. Uh, so, um, Smitty played a lot, Greg Smith. Uh, so he's back. Um, obviously Nick Johnson, right. kids call him Jimmy. Uh, he's back. He played a lot as a sophomore and he kind of was a leader of defense last year. Um, at linebacker, we have Cameron Magalotti, who's a little fire plug and just doesn't back off of anybody. Um, at outside linebacker, and then a secondary. I was a guy, Isaiah Gilmore back. We got Corson toward Corson back. We got Connor Cook back. We got his, um, Matt Fry back. Uh, I think those are the guys that ended up playing a lot. A lot, of, a lot, of, yeah, a lot of playing time yeah. secondary with all their injuries. Yep. And so we have a lot of kids back in the secondary. So hopefully, you know, we can catch up at the linebacker play because we're replacing one outside linebacker, one inside linebacker. You know, Greg has some experience. He's still not a full time starter. But up front. Yeah, up front, yeah, we have. A lot of kids with experience at tackle, not really necessarily any starters, but some experience at tackle, and uh, and it uh, and it's kind of still up in the air. We kind of have four tackle types 
playing across the front four. We don't have any real true ends that we that we usually play at end, but we've got some real experienced kids to, to put in there. So we look pretty solid with uh, Ventura played there a little bit last year. Um, even Jeff Colson as a as a ninth grader last year got in some varsity play. He looks really good as a sophomore. Um, Nate Keller. Um, we played him a lot last year at different spots at tackle and end. He's back and he looks really good and he's got a lot of experience. And uh, Adam Benino is also back. Uh, uh, he got some sporadic play, not a lot of varsity play, but we did get him in a little bit on defense last year in situations and we have him in there as well. Theoretically, they're all kind of tackle types, but Keller and Benino are a little more athletic, so we have them at end right now, and we're just really trying to groom a lot of these young kids we have. There's a lot of talent, but not a lot of experience. So we're hoping we can get some of these other kids up to speed where those guys are not playing uh, as much both ways or having to play um, you know, out of position, because I think most of those guys are, what I just mentioned, are really truly tackles. So using that type of player, that athleticism, does that change your focus as the coordinator of how we're going about to pressure the quarterback? Are we going to get it from the ends? Do we have to incorporate some blitzes? Do we have to change schemes? What what does that go through your head when you have this rotation that's different from previous years? Yeah, it's um, it's going to be interesting. Um, we're actually looking to get some other people, some outside linebacker types to put their hand on the ground and rush a little bit, maybe just in situations like in this particular defense, they're going to be a defensive end and rush. Um, cause we, you know, you like those defense, defensive ends to be extremely agile and be able to get up speed and have some speed rush off the edge, things like, like losing Eddie Ortiz, you know, Chris Price last year, those guys were great pass rushers. We don't have your t prototypical pass rushers. We have guys that are short, stocky and bulls. I mean, this might be the strongest front force end to end we've ever had. I mean, these guys are animals in a weight room. Um, John Ventura and Venino, uh, won the bench pressure competition at Lebanon Valley, both did 225, 21 times. Um, so we have some strong kids up there, um, but we're looking at finding some other personnel, some younger guys, and trying to make it work to fit some guys in and get some pass rush off the end. And also blitzes might have to come into play. We, I mean, Nick Johnson's been a blitzer for two years. He just times things really well, understands what you have to do. You know, Magalotti was a good blitzer for us last year when we sent him. So we got some packages, you know, nothing really new, just stuff that's been on a shelf. You might have to pull off and dust off a little bit for it to match up with our personnel. Who's someone that fans may not have heard of last year wasn't a huge contributor but you think could have a breakout year this year or someone that they should definitely know as we get into the season i'll pick one you pick one how's that i'm <laughs> going to pick connor cook okay um no disrespect the other d-backs matt troy isaiah most of those, Elijah, you, all those they guys heard last yes. year we knew about them yes but connor cook is a uh, connor cook is a perfect representation of wilson football he's what it's all about Connor, and this is no disrespect to Connor, is not the greatest athlete. Connor's not the fastest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He might be the smartest. Um, he plays a lot like um, Pat O'Brien. Pat O'Brien was a wrestler, started for two years at the corner. And I'll tell you what, doesn't look like the stereotypical corner, and neither does Connor. They don't look like that guy, wow, that's a corner, but they do things right. Fundamentally, technique, they understand, they don't cut corners, they do, they do what you expect them to do. Connor, we went to camp with Connor. I'm like, all right, we're going to put him on. And I'll tell you what, he competed with everybody. He ended up getting a, actually, he competed, he was covering a guy from Scotland, Columbia, and actually got a knee in the thigh. So we went down with a thigh bruise. He was done for camp. But, um, he competed, didn't back off from the kid. He's just a kid that, well, he's number 30 and you watch him. He does his job right. He does everything right. He's a great kid. Um, he's very smart. Um, he does technique wise. He's a, he's a technician. He does everything the right way. And he's a kid that, you know, you look at, it's like, oh, that's a good to pick on. Pick on him. 
We'll, we'll be fine with that. He's a, he's a great player. He's, he stepped in last year at the end of the year and got some yes. right, quality yeah. reps and really showed us a lot. Yes. We really, really liked it. Uh, up front, um, I, you know, we have so many guys that are probably going to be going both ways, and we're just going to try to spell guys. But the one kid that, that's, that just has the opportunity to really break out is Jeffrey Colson. Um, a very, very athletic young man who got dabbled in some varsity time last year who shows us from time to time, we'll just see the unbelievable plays out of the kid. And he's got that potential. He's got that ability. And I mean, athletic as heck, very, very strong, very intelligent, and got a great attitude. <clears throat> I think if he decides, he's going to really, he's going to show a lot of people a lot. He's, I think he's going to come of age. Because one reason is mainly because he's played a little bit. He's got the confidence. He's been working with the first group this year. And he's not going to probably see a lot of offense. He's a backup guy on offense, so he can focus mainly on playing defense. And he's tough to block. He does a great job. He reminds me a lot of Rodney Hill. We talked earlier. We've talked about that. He's he's that Rodney Hill type athleticism, body type, and it just just seems like he does it natural, you know. And it's so I think he he's got the potential to be a real a real you know key component for us as the year goes on. And there's only in. To be sophomore, yes. he's got a couple of years to grade. keep learning so and getting We're better. hoping he gets good really fast, but we got we got a long way. <laughs> we got some time. Yeah. So for the past 13 years, dating all the way back to 2005, Wilson played Mifflin in Week One, but um, with the PIAA and District Three schedule changing over the years, that we're now forced <laughs> to an earlier start, which I think it, most people are probably okay with because last year we got into a situation where Wilson was playing Mifflin, who had already played a game. And in these conversations last year with you and Coach Doms, you know, that was seen as a pretty big negative. Absolutely. Um, but now you get to play Central Dolphin week one. So it's a little bit, you know, you have that history, the rivalry with Mifflin, and Mifflin's turned their program around so much over the last decade plus. That was a great game. Mm -hmm. Well, Central Dolphins are the same caliber as that. Absolutely. But they're different offenses yes. for you to go up against. What kind of challenges present having to switch from Mifflin to CD. Now, you played them back-to-back, -back, I believe, or first week one and three last yes. year. So you were already had that preparation in the back of your mind. Yeah. Is there any kind of issues going, having them week one? Um, the only thing for us, like, we would actually, when we go into summer practices and we get into it, heat acclimation and also getting the regular uh, fall practice schedule, uh, we started preparing for Mifflin a little bit each day, like take a 10-minute block or a 15-minute block and slowly start preparing for Mifflin. And we had two weeks to do it. So the first week we do a few minutes and the second week we take minute and we get a little more into it. And by the third week, the kid kind of before Mifflin week, our kids kind of knew what they were doing. It's just a matter of making it right. Well, now we're going to go in not preparing for Mifflin, except we have a week then we kind of have an idea what we want to do, but we're not preparing them for a week. So that's going to make it different. I'm, I mean, for Central Dolphin runs that offense, it's, a lot of motion, some misdirection stuff, a lot of jet sweep action, things like that. And there's a lot of cerebral stuff going on during that game. So we prepare for them pretty well. And I think they're a little easier to prepare for than Mifflin. Not to say they're a better or worse team, but schematically speaking, they're a little easier to prepare for. Um, so that having that Mifflin at one week is going to be hard for us, for coaches and kids, because we're not going to have all that time to slowly introduce and slowly get things going. Yeah, the the it, the preparation part is going to be a little more challenging for sure. However, excuse me. However, I really think that benefit of us playing a week before Mifflin 
and being more on the same plane, that game experience is really hard to get. Right, so the, and the experience I, I, outweighs the I think that's going to kind of outweigh it. It's got to. The I mean, speed was, of the game. The speed of the game is what killed it. Last year, I think we, you know, we, we were as good as Mifflin was. We just did not have that weak experience, and that killed us. And we were down 21 nothing before we got, you yeah. know, and then so, we, came, we started yeah. coming back, but we gave too much away early. So yeah, we were just not ready, and I think the kids will be a little bit more ready against Mifflin. However, mentally, Putting in the schemes and things we want to do, it's going to be a nice balance. We're going to have to try to figure figure out. This will be the first year of doing this, so it'll be interesting. But I think I, I like the fact that we're going to be on the same playing field as far as game experience as Mifflin and and also a Springford because that's also yeah. the situation with them as well. Yeah, interesting three offenses you get to go up against those first three weeks. Yeah. I can't make things easy. No, I mean, it's drastically different. There's not yeah. one even similar. <laughs> not even close. No. So sticking with Central Dolphin, uh, though, this is Wilson's 10th meeting with the Rams. Um, they've been historically tough on Wilson. There are a lot of teams you look over the history of Wilson football, and Wilson has a distinct advantage over them. Over the, you know, some of them, I'm sure you played a lot more because this is only the 10th one with the mm -hmm. Rams. But what is it about Central Dolphin that makes them so tough? Um, they're always hard nosed disciplined kids they're extremely well coached yeah, they don't make mistakes um they don't do a lot like they're not they're not difficult to understand offensively or defensively but they do it very well they just execute um they, they do what they do and you know what they're gonna they're i mean almost the age almost you know the john gersky days of they're gonna run a jet sweep and off tackle and a counter and they're gonna run it to stop it and you know what i mean we played them where they ran the same play six plays in a row because you know what their old philosophy stop us and if you stop it, then they'll run a play to counter that play that we stopped them with. So they're very well coached. You're well prepared. They're very physical kids. They're tough because they play in them, you know, playing in the mid pen, which is, you know, one of the best yeah. leagues around. They go war with Central, I mean, with Cumberland Valley, with Harrisburg, with CD East, State you know, College. State College. I mean, all these teams week in and week out, they go against tough opponents. So they got to be battle ready for that. Um, so. You know, they've been tough because, like I said, they're well coached and they like the, you know, like last year they had a really good tight end that played against us. Mm -hmm. Number 10, I forget, but he, he killed us. He had probably had 200 yards receiving against us. We just couldn't handle him. Mm -hmm. Um, but he didn't play the week before, so we didn't really prepare for him. Um, so it's, it's, we're going to come out and hopefully execute the game plan well, but they're just, it, it's, look at the games. They've all been very competitive games. Oh, like yeah. neither team has killed each other or blown each other out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it been tight defensive games and because they play great defense. So it's just, you can never really take advantage of that. I mean, and it's always tight games, Nip and Tuck, and we'll go from there. So we're going to battle test it definitely from that one. Yeah, I think their schedule really helps them. I think, and it's not just like in any given year, the fact that they go to war against those teams in the mid-pen year after year after year, I think their mentality is we've got to be at the top of our game. We've got to prepare, you know, big time because we can't take one week off. And I think that is their program's philosophy and that's where they're you know that's the mentality that they bring to the table and as coach said they are physical they are well coached they they come ready to play whether they're a strong team or a weaker team like you know last year i don't think they do they do they get to the past the first round of the playoffs they lost to yeah. central yeah. for yeah. township first round you know, i mean they were they weren't really one of their better teams they had last year but they they went toe to toe with us you know and they ended up ne ne uh, nudging us out and and uh you know we really Thought we were had a little bit better team, but they're good. They're very well coached. It's a good squad to go against early in the year. So week two now will be Mifflin Labor Day weekend. A little bit of a change of the guard, but are you expecting it to mostly be the same? Because we saw, you know, with Coach Vecchio retiring, but Coach Lang took over for him, and he was the big head guy just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. 
Is this going to be more of the same for Mifflin, or do you think there's going to be some some new wrinkles? Uh, you know, you know, when Coach Lang took over when Mick was ill um, uh, a couple of years ago, um, Coach Coach Vecchio was still very much involved. And I don't know now that Coach Lang's it's his game. I think we'll see a lot of similarities, but I can't. I don't. I I would. I think he changed a little bit. I don't know. Not that there's anything wrong with what they do. They do it very successfully. But you know, sometimes you get a different personality in there, and you like to do a couple things a little differently. Um, and now Coach Vecchio, I'm sure he's still helping out, and you know his sons are there. Um, I assume they make subtle changes, but I don't think it's been a wholesale change. Okay, I really yeah, don't. I, and and last year, I mean, they threw the ball a lot more. Yep. You know, I think you very know, talented tra- quarterback. They, traditionally, they're just that run, run, run. You know, three yards in a cloud of dust. They opened it up a little last year. I would expect to see a little bit more of that as well. I, and I know they've got a young quarterback coming up through that's supposed to be pretty good. So I would expect to see a little bit more in the air like we did last year. Central Dolphin, Mifflin. Springford. It's the same non-league schedule as last year, maybe mixed up a little bit, but then the Lancaster Lebanon League decided to throw a curve in with some realignment this year. You lose a team in the league schedule, but they kind of dictate, hey, you're going to have to play Mannheim Central in week four. Merry <laughs> you know, this, these, yeah, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, this, is, this is your reward. But I'm sure they're thinking the same thing. Absolutely. Um, you know, this crossover game is new for 2018. Um, Wilson hasn't played them since 2011. Uh, Mike Williams was still head coach the last time Wilson got to play Man Central, but he handed it off to Dave Hahn in 2015, and they haven't really missed a beat. They're the no. same squad. They, they went 13 and one last year, uh, losing in the state semis, and they've got a handful of guys back on offense. And I'm sure you've been, you know, thinking in the back mm-hmm. of your mind that those are guys we're gonna have to watch. You know, Evan Simon, big, you know, he's gonna be just kind of like that receiver you mentioned getting yep. on those offers. He's already well on his way, and he's only a junior. Yes, they're running back to back. Over 400 yards rushing last year, and three interior offensive linemen, and their quarterback. Yeah, that's right, Simon. Yeah, yeah. Simon Flick and the offensive linemen. How difficult is it to prepare for the Barons? <laughs> mostly because of the time that's passed since you changed uh, had last played them, and also the coaching staff changes. How, how, when you lose a team but bring them back, what do you do? Do you go back into the archives, or do you kind of start from from scratch? Well, you look a little bit. I mean, but honestly, it's been so long since we played them. I mean, we might do a little bit of things we did back then, but. It's it's they've changed a little bit offensively, not a lot. They've changed a little bit, um, but the bottom line is again another. I mean, even though they made that change, Coach Williams is still on the staff. You know, Coach Hans not a head coach in charge, but Coach Williams still on the staff. I think the staff's mostly intact when it left. I think they lost defense coordinator, but that's it, Coach Brubaker. But uh, mm-hmm. so it's the same staff intact, and those guys know what they're doing. And I mean, everybody always says when we played each other, it was a great rivalry. It really was. I mean, section one, section two. I don't care if they're smaller than us; they're the same type of program. But we go at it, and they're they're good, hard nosed kids. Um, it's not. A, I mean, are we excited? Yes. Are we overly thrilled playing four games like that, bang all together, and then league starts? Um, it's. I think we have the potential this year to. Have a nice deep team late in the year, but early in the year we're going to struggle a little bit with depth because you know we got a lot of young guys as subs. So playing a team like that, as and the experience they have going to states, going to semifinals. I mean, they have a lot of wear and tear coming back, and I don't know who they're non-league. They're three games. I know they play usually Hempfield, not Hempfield Warwick. No, they're playing both of them. Oh, they play. I think so. So they're playing. I mean, they play. They play a schedule like we're going to play. I mean, it's they're going to be tough. I mean, and going down there. I mean, going down to, right. you know, Nes- not Nesville, I'm sorry, going down to Mannheim yeah. is not a great place. To, I mean, their crowds are great. They have a great following. It's going to be interesting. Am I excited? Yes, but I wouldn't mind seeing York Votech on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Rich tradition and, no, let's face it, they got some big guns back. We got a lot of growing up to do in those first three weeks. We got to get a lot of the young kids up to speed and, and uh, you know, 
we got to be ready to go. They're going to they're going to bring it. They I mentioned to you earlier how we played their JVs last year in a makeup game because we both had an open week and they were tough, very very tough. So we're we're going to expect a really good football team. Yeah, it's unique non-league scheduling, both by choice and dictated to yes. you when you have what has become a rivalry with Central Dolphin just because of the story yeah. programs. Yes. Mifflin, I don't really have to say anything about that. Springford because of the coaching familiarity. And now Manor Central, kind of similar to Central Dolphin, yes. the, the story programs. They, the communities embrace the teams in all three locations. Absolutely. Uh, is that something that has been brought up about changing or is that something you like? Like You, you don't like it because you want to be like, this is a game that we should be okay with. Or is it better to be, like you mentioned, the Central Dolphin Program, battle-tested? These first four games, they'll get you ready, but are you in a position then to continue the season later? There, there's pros and cons. I mean, I'm excited to play a non-league schedule like that to prepare us for league play and possibly, you know, postseason play. Um, but you do worry a little bit. I mean, going against, I mean, let's face it, those are four good programs. Those are four teams that have been district playoffs, so four teams that have competed in, at a state level. And uh, it, it's and that's the difficult part. I, I'd like to have one little easier game in there. I wouldn't mind it. But it all comes down to attrition and health. I mean, if we come through those four games healthy, and we're gonna, we if we can get through through those games successfully, we don't mind have a really nice football team. But we got to get you know we got to be healthy, um, and we got to learn in those games. We're going to make mistakes, like you said. You're talking about you know Central Dolphin running a power run game out of the, a lot of motion, but then you're going to a Veer type team, Veer wing, with Veer um, option wing T. Um, and then you're going to a spread very similar to us. And then you go to center who runs a spread, but a little variation off that spread. So it's going to be a push way. We should be ready for every offense in regular season. Once it's done, it's done. Yeah, there, won't be, done. there won't be anything left. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll have done it the first four weeks. Exactly. You've seen the first four weeks. You've not seen <laughs> we it. We shouldn't see it. Exactly. So uh, the next week you get the um, home league opener, Penn Manor, get the Mannheim Central flavor with John Brubaker coming to town. But then a week after that, you're back to Mannheim to play Township. Um, which is the third trip there in less than a year. So was there any kind of reaction from you coaches as the scheduling revelation when they came out that that you found out, oh, we get to go to Township again? You you can't avoid the playoff one. That's dictated. But last year, regular season at Township. This year, regular season at Township. Is is there a focal on that or just kind of like, eh, it's just a little – You got to play. You know what it is. Play the game. It's a good game. Balances out in the end. Yeah, because we're – well, we, we picked up Cedar Crest who's here. You played but them here Cedar, the last time. Yes, but Cedar Crest took whoever's place they took it. I guess they took Lebanon's place. Conestoga Valley. Conestoga Valley. Yeah. And we would have had Conestoga Valley, I guess, we're due to play here this year. Mm-hmm. So just it's yeah. the way it panned out. I mean, you know, as coaches, you know, you got to play on a road. We know that. Um, but going to Township, I think it's going, you know, get the kids back up there to play. The sooner the better. You know, I mean, I, I, we just play where we got to play and just go, go from there. Yeah, I, I only asked because I had a lot of people – asking me about how that worked and people floating conspiracy theories. And I was like, it's a two year cycle. It yeah, just yeah. is, you know, the next year, next time it happens, we could play them home in 2019 and then home again in 2020. Exactly. But I just didn't know if you look at it, you roll your eyes and say, well, buckle up. Here we go. I mean, I know years ago, like when actually my senior year, uh, my junior and senior, maybe my sophomore, I forget sophomore junior, but we played, we played McCaskey home two years in a row. Because the same thing, they redid the schedule. Like Sir Catholic dropped down, somebody came up, forget who it was. But so we've been through the same thing again. But it's just the way the scheduling goes. Everyone's five home games, five right. away. That's just the way it worked out. Well, I'm sure Penn Manor is saying we got to go to Gursky again because they were just here yeah. last year. Yes, you know it, it, it works itself out. But yeah, I had yes. to ask it because I've had so many people asking me what's yeah. going on with the schedule. 
and just mo- losing. I, I I would rather have eight teams in Section One. We're down to seven now, mm-hmm. which I'm not happy about. Right. Which was more. I wish we would have had nine or ten. What we're talking about in the future mm-hmm. that didn't transpire either. But um, but no, it just it's it's what it is, and we got to have our games, and we'll just play wherever we have this hundred yards by fifty two and a fifty two and a third. So <laughs> or fifty three and a third. So let's right. just go. So what are your expectations from the township team this year after they seem to have a once in a generation team last year? Like they were incredibly they were good. good, successful, unlike anything they've had. What do you expect from them this year? I know graduation hit them pretty good, but there was they weren't all seniors last year. No, they got a great coaching staff. Um the kids work hard and Mark Evans has done a fantastic job there. Uh Sands is up there, he teaches here at DC. Um, they're going to be battle tested. I mean, they're a good coaching staff, and you know they won enough games by enough points where a lot of kids got time last year. So yeah. I'm sure they played a lot of kids. Our JV team had they had a field day against they 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 beat us, didn't they? Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a blowout at first, and the JVs battled back and made it a fairly close game. I think we lost by like a score or two, but it was a high scoring game, and um, um, they're a very athletic group. I mean, it's, it seems these last few years that their weight program is starting to show signs of, you know, development, whereas that was one of their things. They've had good athletes in the past, but they didn't seem to have the strength in, in the, you know, in the weight, in the weight room, in the, in the work ethic in the weight room. I think Evans has changed that around, and the culture there is changing. And they've got the athletes, they're stronger, and they're just rebuilding just like we do. And they just rebuilt, and I think they've got a good group of kids coming up through. It should be a very good game. So the week after you play at Township, you have a home game, but it's not here at Gursky. It's going to be in the city of Reading at mm-hmm. First Energy Stadium. You, more, a lot of people know it's still as Municipal Stadium. Yes. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, if I can do my research correctly, you both got to play there. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That used to be a fun place to play. Yeah. How many times did you guys get to play there? Um, Muhlenberg, was, that was their home field. Yes, I played there once. Yeah, Muhlenberg was their home field. I played there against them once, and I'm trying to think that anybody else – Reading played at was it George Field? No, Reading was playing at. Uh, well, it didn't matter because we didn't play yeah. them in high school. JVs were playing. I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, Mifflin, we only, Mifflin was well, over. We play Reading. Mifflin was over at so. Albright, right? Yeah, Mifflin was at Albright. Okay, so, yeah, I guess I played there once because back then it was usually the league state was like home away, home away. Mm-hmm. So tenth yeah. grade was was home. We played there as a, as a junior. I played over there. I think was a senior. I, no, senior year we didn't play. Yeah, because they had a strike. Yeah, so, strike. Yep. so yeah, so we played. I remember playing there at least once, yeah. and it wasn't fun because uh, the part dirt, of the field, the dirt yeah. part of the field, right? yeah, the yes. infield is part of the field, and if it's muddy and sloppy, which it was that year, oh, it's yeah. horrible. There's and no we played free. when we played. I was on as deep balls a year older than I am, and we played. We played down the third baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are doing and the infield, and we're doing down at first, but and it's going to be sod where the right. infield is. Yep. Because they're redoing this field, so walking out it was myself, uh, Coach Doms, and Coach Palm. I had one out, and they walked us through just game scenarios. You know what I mean, as far as uh, logistics, and um, brought back a lot of memories. Like Coach Doms played there; that was his home field. Yeah, we played a lot of games there. Um, so being out there, we're down. Coach Palm's, you know, you spring, you know, chicken over there. He didn't play there, but uh, Coach Doms and I walk around. Oh my God, remember this? Remember this? And these stands weren't here. But it's it's kind of and our kids and I'll, Nick Johnson and Isaiah Gilmore said two really neat things. They're like we play in we I mean I think town no McCaskey's the only team with turf with grass now in our league. Yeah, yeah. But they it's really not great grass. It feels not you know it's okay. But they were excited to play in a real grass field like like a college turf would be getting grass stains. You know, kind of neat. So it's going to be the kids actually are really excited about it. They have a lot of fun and they're looking forward to it. And that's what we looked we looked at that. But like this is like almost like a bowl game type situation. 
So it's like them going to a place like this is really neat for them. Yeah, that's so the, the atmosphere surrounding. I know yeah. there's logistical issues, and I know Coach Dom's has reservations about it. Uh, with, with weather, with the yes. weather, uh, especially that you'll be the last game yeah. scheduled right now. Yeah. Um, it's happening October 5th, week 7. Mm-hmm. You're hosting Hemfield. Um, and you, you, I, I was pretty sure you both had played there because I had yeah. the last time the Bulldogs played there would have been September 14th, 1979. So yeah, you may have been the year. last. That was my one sophomore year. Yeah, my junior year. Last yeah. last team yeah. to play there, and now you'll get to coach That's there. That's cool. Nearly forty years later. <laughs> yes. So. You're making us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying, I'm not Nearly throwing us under the bus here. Well, you're talking about the kids, you know, being excited to play on grass. Well, I only played on grass. Yeah. Right? You know? So like thinking of the kids yeah. haven't we played used, on we much used to grass. Get excited yeah. to play on turf. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other way. Exactly. It's amazing how things change over those generations. But you know, you guys kind of talked about it already. Uh, that, that the kids maybe are a little bit more excited, but uh, does it bring up any other preparation issues besides the possibility of weather and the turf? Um, you know, the, the short little bus ride, having to do dinners, you know, the equipment. And the pregame schedule has got to be adjusted slightly. It's kind of like to... more like a road game. Yeah, a little bit. Just... And we're, what, we're, what we're talking about doing is um, there was supposed to be game there Thursday before us. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's that's off the schedule now. I think now. that's yeah postponed. So what we're talking about is Coach Downs. I told Bellis, we're talking about actually doing a pregame oh, practice yeah, in there yeah. to okay. at least get on the field. Not that you learn the field, but just get comfortable instead of running after the first time being on this field and playing a game, looking around and wow, this is really cool. Yeah. So try to do our pregame practice, which is usually only an hour and a half practice, just to walk through type stuff, just make things perfect. And so we want to get out there. That's kind of the only change really we'd have with that. We'll probably get dressed here, go out there. Finish up taping, probably shower back here as well. So it should be a fun trip. Yeah, I, I've, I've been looking forward to it. I actually heard, heard about it a long time ago, and I asked Coach Dons about it off the record last year when I did these yeah. interviews, and and uh, he said that the announcement would be coming, and it came yeah. right after Thanksgiving this past year. And but they're going to have the pool open in the right yeah. field, and that's <laughs> going to be actually an end zone. So it's going to look. It could be. It's going to be neat things to fans. The way when our stadiums change, you're not going to be as close there. They're going to be real close. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to hear things. They're yep. going to see things. They're good that they're not familiar with because they're so far away from us here at home or at other fields. They're so far away. But now, I mean, they're going to be right there. I mean, our sideline is basically the first baseline. So you see how close that yeah. is. And then oh, yeah. the team's Very behind close. them. So it's going to be tight quarters. I mean, and fans are intermingled. And yeah, because of the yeah. reserve seats, there's three for Hempfield, three for Wilson, and then there's general admission where everything's exactly. free for all. Yes. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. And uh, I know the kids were, were as well. But I figured you guys, especially because you played there, and I know you oh, Coach Doms yeah. has played there. So yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of memories and uh, new ones to be made as well. Uh, last couple of questions, kind of more administrative, but opinions on, from you guys about kind of the PIAA stuff that's been going on. That's been the number one thing that I was asked to ask you and Coach Doms, you know, what's your opinions on, you know, first up, maybe the one that's most positive is the state playoff brackets have changed. You no longer are District 3 having to go out west to play uh, whoever wins District 7 or whatever that other grouping is. Now you get to stay here and play the suburban Philly schools, which you're familiar with having yes. playing Springford this year. And in the past, we played the Downingtown schools. Yeah. Uh, I think you had a 707 versus Coatesville. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, even though we, it's obviously it's not going to be Wilson every year, but what what was your reaction when you saw that the PAAA was switching things up and sending Allentown and Philly out west and bringing District 3 back here? Not to go to Mansion Park. That's my <laughs> right. first thought. Not having to make that trip to Altoona. That's not great. a fun trip. I don't think the talent. I don't think the teams are going to be 
any easier. No, no. I mean, suburban Philly is, is tough. That's football. You know, they win states almost every year. Uh, so I don't think we're going to be in, in for an easy street. But I think just the logistics and the traveling and the and not knowing the opponents well. You know, like every year when we play out there, you know, it's grabbing and scrounging to try to get any film and find yeah. out anything we can about these teams. Because, yeah. you know, we don't play them week in and week out or year in and year out. And, and a lot of our opponents don't either because right. they're, you know, yeah. in the West. So I think that part's going to be a little bit more, you know, user-friendly for us, if you want to put it that way, as far as getting scouting and looking at the teams and knowing the teams and knowing what they do and following them week to week, you know, and knowing what we're going to be up against possibly is it going to be better and not having to travel will be a lot better. But yeah. That was the takeaway from the kids, too, the travel. Like, they didn't want to have to it's, I mean, honestly, what we do, we usually get Altoona. We take uh, basically the varsity guys, if you will, the starters and key backups. We take on a bus load, take them out, go out there and pregame out there, and then spend a night. And then the next day would be, you know, the J, the JVs or the guys who not not key players in the game for in the in the game would come the next day. Or now we're not going to split up like that. It's nice we practice at home. We get on a bus and drive an hour, an hour and a half. And we're ready to go instead of driving three and a half, four hours out to Altoona. Um, so that's nice. Um, I mean, it's kind of. And this is just my personal opinion. It's kind of the way that PIAA is just saying, okay, now we don't have to go through a private school. District 3 doesn't have to go through a private school. Mm -hmm. And now District 1 doesn't go through a private school or a non-boundary because there's no 6A non-boundary schools in District 3 or District 1. So the champions of those will definitely be public. So public school will be represented in the state final. Correct. Um, now, we do have a bye week, which I'm not a big fan of. Right. Health-wise, it is. But... Our district final, we won't play the following week. Right. That's a district one's final, the championship. So we'll have a week off. We can go watch that game and do those things. But having that week off in a playoff, so I'm not a big proponent of that because that week you don't play, what do you focus on? You know, game prep. How do you game prep? You know, you're going to play. So it's kind of hard yeah, as a coach. And at that part of the season, that's all you're really doing. Yes. Right? You're not teaching fundamentals. You're not getting the kids in shape. You're not, you know, you don't want to pound them. So it's like, you know, what can we do? And you don't want to add things you're not going to do. Right. You don't want to, like, so, say it's two completely opposite teams, but we're not going to practice here. We're not, we'll do one day this, one day that. No, we can't do that. It's too confusing. So it's, so it's hard. But, I mean, it's – I'm glad that the travel's out of the way. Um, and District 1 is very good football. I mean, let's face it, bad. remember well, years ago. CBS. CBS won what, four straight. Um, you know, down in towns won five it. Five or six in a row. Yeah, too. I mean, there's some there's some good football down there, so it's not going to be an easier team, easier process for us. But it's it's less less travel is going to help. Yeah. Uh, then the other ones that are more recent, especially with the uh, summit just this past Tuesday, people talking about the transfer rules, the possibility of them wanting to force the PIAA into a you know boundary non boundary situation. What's your guys take on those type of things that have come up over the last few years and just continue to get louder? It's, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it, you know, playing a school that doesn't have the limitations we have. I mean, you know, people accuse us every year of bringing new kids in or, or recruiting or transfers or whatever. Um, everybody gets them. Um, but the difference is they have to live in our school district. Yeah, and our school district is very disciplined, very, very strong rules. You must live in a district you know, to play here. Yeah, Wilson does not accept tuition students. And what and you have now, what you got to, to establish residency is very, very. Oh, difficult. you need bills. You need you need well, utilities. You need everything. My daughter is starting kindergarten this fall. I've lived in the Wilson district mm -hmm. my entire life, and the amount that hoops that we had to jump through <laughs> oh, just to get her register for yeah, the kindergarten absolutely. was crazy. Absolutely, and so we're really. I mean, Wilson's clearly shows to be strong, and that's fine. That that's what we choose to do. Um, but if we could pull 
two players from every school in the county, two of their top 10 players. Imagine adding two players from every school. You're talking about 13, 14 schools playing in the county. You're talking about 28 more kids to a successful program now. And now you have that. You know, so the only Catholic school in our area we talk about is Burst Catholic, obviously, was two. Now it's merged into one. And they have a pick. And it's hard to compete against somebody that has those levels. You know, not that they go out and openly recruit and say, oh, my God, I want that kid. I want that kid. I want that kid. But let's face it. They've been there successful. They're getting kids in colleges. Some more kids look at that. And maybe if they're younger and they think, I can play. There's a sophomore room where we have one play at Wilson. And they go over there. And it's, I mean, it is an advantage for, for parochial or non-boundary schools. I think it's a huge advantage. That's just my personal opinion. Are Especially they, when you get closer to the, the, the big cities, oh, they yeah. can draw from other states. states. You know, you start bringing kids in from other Delaware, states, Jersey, and just, Ohio. I mean, St. Joseph represented by four states, and it's just yeah, it just school. that's it's not a fair playing field, regardless of how you feel about it. And whether you think it's okay to keep doing it, it makes us better. We have to raise our game up. You know, there's lots of different ways to look at it, but the bottom line is, it's not a fair. It's not the equal playing field for for parochial and non-boundary schools versus us, and that's that's just the way it is. Good, bad, or whatever. You know, I I personally, you know, every time I see us get to that level of where we're competing, you know, with the you know state semis, and I look at some of these schools, and I just think, my gosh, you know, if you know, if we just had one or two guys like that, you know, we'd be we could you know. We could really go to toe-to-toe toe with these guys, but it's very difficult when you have teams that are made up of kids from all over the place. And how many Division One scholarships did the uh, did the uh, uh, Central Catholic Central Catholic have? I mean, every single, every single lineman they had was going D1, you know, five yeah. line. And we had a great team. There. Those kids, we battled them and played them really tough. But they just, you know, we just, you can't better. compete. They were just better. So I, I think that needs to be addressed. They need to do something, whether gradually or abruptly, but I think they should. Personally, I, after being in it, seeing it, and, you know, it just it just, it just makes sense. No, and the hard part, and, you know, adding to that is, like, you talk about tuition. Um, maybe make it a state mandate. You're allowed to have tuition students. Now, okay, now maybe we're playing on the April playing field. You know, like, we, I know for a fact there's two kids at Burst Cassidy who probably mm-hmm. would have come here if we accept tuition students. Yep. And we hear from people all the time, well, we have a STEM. We're the only school in the county with STEM. So if you want to get in that program, you know, you go to Mayheim Central, they, they're the only school with ag program. So kids go there for ag program. So if you would come here for STEM to pay tuition to come here, there's kids that would do that for academic and athletic reasons. But we don't take tuition students. Um, like Kutztown takes tuition students, just locally schools take them. So, but then you got the old answer, okay, now you're going to get recruiting because you're going to get tuition kids and now it's going to end up with a free for all in the wild west, which is that in Harrisburg kind of that situation right now. Kids are transferring left and right to schools out there. So, I mean, if, if you're going to do it, I wish when they would have gone to six divisions, they would have went four, four pub, four non-boundary. I'm sorry, four boundary, no, four non-boundary. And I don't know, two non-boundary, four boundary. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. No, it's the only way to get it no, out. That, it's confusing. We yeah, it's put the six. Yeah. But just six levels. We still have six levels. Yep. And leave them in league play. Leave them play regular seasons. And you know, they'll still, still keep rivalries, you know? It seems to be the most common sense proposal. And this, I actually believe, Coach Downs might have said that to, to me on one of these interviews, maybe the first year we did it, first or second year that, that we did it, that was a thing. Before, there weren't even six classifications, yes. and I think it was the talk of coming to six classifications, yeah. and the common sense was right away make it four boundary, two non-boundary. Yes. And like you said, regular season stays the same, schedule stays the same. It's just when you get to the playoffs, just make that break. with the schools that you are the big and the small. abiding by the same rules. Exactly. And, and you know, mind me for better football. Who knows? 
you know, and then, you know, you get the whole debate. Oh, this team could be that team. That could be that team. And then it'll, but you know what? You, there's no perfect world. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's hard for Pennsylvanians, I think, because they see it happening, I believe, yeah. at least in Ohio, definitely in New Jersey. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, Harold Slemmer, um, and Gerald Slemmer's brother, uh, he's actually works national now and he's saying more states have it than don't that they split them up. But I don't, you know, it's what it is. Well, a last thing, last topic that is in more of an, it is what it is for now. And uh, we've talked to you about this before, but in the winter news broke that there's a potential or talkings about an LL Burks merger. We know that that right now is tabled. You know, mm -hmm. they're going to talk about maybe in the future, but for now, you know, there's a little bit of smoke, but not much fire. What's your guys' opinion on that? If it would ever happen down the road, is that something that you're in favor for from a Wilson standpoint? Do you think it's, Good for the program, you know. What's your take on it? When it broke, what was your first thought? My when they put out the first proposal where there was going to be ten teams in Section One, you play one non-league game, you play nine league games with Exeter, Mifflin, and Reading in Section One and LL. I was all for it. Um, I thought it was a great thing. Pick one non-league game up, and then you just play your nine, and it's a good schedule. And plus, it's good for Burst County football. It's good for seeing Reading every year, for seeing Exeter every year, for seeing you know nobody's played Mifflin as it is. So just, I think that will be good for Burst County football. I was all for it. Um, being at some of the league meetings, just my perception was that the big schools, the six A's, really liked it. The small schools really liked because you're they're adding small schools and they're adding the Kutztowns, the Schuylkill Valleys, the smaller schools. Yeah. But the five A's were the big issue because Section Two and LL is tough. Let's face it. I mean, Man Central's always good. Kikalka's always good. Lampeter Strasburg competes. Um, e Town's been good off and on. I mean, there's teams that are there, and now you add. The new proposal is adding Mifflin to that and Exeter to that, which are both one league and counties. So now you're adding two more teams to already the really difficult division. And that was really difficult for those five A's to kind of like, wow, you put just throw more on us. So that was the, a, a different proposal to right. have more sections? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They were going to have us all 6A, which means from Burst County, the section one would only have would only have Reading. The only addition. Reading. Yes. And then, and then Mifflin and Exeter would jump in two. What they do is have two sections to 5A. Okay. And then have a 4A and a two and a 3A. Um, so I, I kind of think it would need, but talking to people, it's things I don't think we don't think about because it's really good for us. But if you're talking about a team, say it's, uh, who just joined the LL League? Um, Aurora. from who? Octorora. Octorora would have to travel to Hamburg. And they were saying that's a, over a two hour ride. So logistically speaking, for that, I didn't even think about those things. Right. For us, it'd be great. We're going to Lancaster. We can play some home games. It's awesome. But for schools that are that outlying in, in the far areas, you know, and Daniel Boone and, you know, and those are tough. If we, if we played like the first proposal, if we were playing Reading and Exeter and you know, the, it's these schools in the county, the ticket, you know, take would be so much better. You know, not that the Lancaster schools don't travel well, the fans and so forth, but we're not going to pack them in like we would if we were playing. No, yeah, this place would be standing room only. It always, you know? yeah. And, it, and it's a good rekindle, a good old rivalry. You know, I think it would be awesome if we could if we could play some of the bigger schools in the county on a regular basis. Um, the LL is tough. I mean, they they have their ways. They're, they've been stuck in their ways for how many years? You know, where you know they they it's got to be just the way they want it. And there's some influential people. You know that are old old school in the LL, and it's going to be tough to change. I mean, I'd like to see it happen. I think it'd be great. It'd be great for Burks County for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that was when when I was notified of it by Justin. Uh, he sent me the link. He was like, "Did you see this?" And I was like, "Wow!" My first 
thought was, wow, that would be awesome. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, were surprised by when I told them that I thought it would be great. And then when I walked through exactly what you just said, they were kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I was like, but I don't know that the yellow is going to go for it. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're stuck in neutral right now. It's it's not yeah. a complete no, but it's yeah. not looking good. Yeah. But who knows? You know, things change. The economics change. Absolutely. All the other things, maybe things at the PIAA level will trickle down and, you know, they'll, you know, come back to it in a few years. And Absolutely. There's a potential for it. But um, I think that's all I have for you guys. Okay. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me again. And uh, just good luck this season. And hopefully I can talk to you guys after a few wins this fall. Sounds <laughs> good, Joey. So. Thank you. <laughs> thanks a lot. And thanks. All right. So, again, that was Coach Wolber and Coach Covell talking to us about the 2018 season. A lot of great content there. Excellent, excellent from them. I always look forward to uh, talking to Ernie because, you know, he's not going to pull any punches. He's going to let us know what he thinks. Uh, he still gets to throw the coach speak in there because, you know, oh, they're not yeah. going to throw any bulletin board material no, out there for no. anyone. Uh, but he always has a lot and to say. It's he's one of the coaches we've gotten to talk to the most yeah. over the years. Well, he's open um, and willing. Right, right. And so, a lot of the guys are are willing. Are they're not say, as comfortable. They're open. Uh, they're open, mm-hmm. but they're not as willing. And it's not, it's just, it's not really something they're used well, to. Well, it's actually because they don't um, like you. Well, that could be <laughs> it. I have that effect on people. But, um, yeah, so, like, it is, you know, he's one... He's comfortable enough that he, he's going to say it. Um, and, and we've seen that because over last year, I think we got a couple interviews with coaches who we didn't, don't always get to talk to. So mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. But um, yeah, so, but uh, Coach Covell is one that we don't always get to talk to on camera. We, we'll yeah. talk to him. He, right. you know, um, I see him a lot. Uh, but we, uh, you know, it, it was good to get them in for an interview again, kind of like we did uh, last week, you know. Thanks to these guys for giving us the extra time. You know, they're, they're busy. They got other stuff going on. Um, but they give us time, not just now, but throughout the season. They, they give us their time. They give us that access, which uh, kind of makes this all possible. Yeah. I appreciate them sitting down and talking with us. We still will have one more interview in our next episode coming one. up next week. Yes, episode five of the Bulldog Hours fourth season will be next Sunday, August 19th, and we will do it live. So if you want to join us in the chat on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Periscope, uh, Ustream, YouTube Live, all that stuff, we will be doing this one uh, where you can interact with us, ask us questions, and we includes the interview with Coach Dom. So it will be a good one. Again, that's next week, Sunday, August 19th at 8.30 with Coach Dom's interview and a preview of the game against Central Dolphin. Game previews. Can't yeah, believe it's can't, that wow. time already. All right. So close. So close to meaningful Wilson football. So I think that's about it. Again, everything goes through BulldogHour.com. Make sure you're hitting the website often. There's so much going on there, not just for this season, but for every season in the path as I work my way through season by season with uh, the season recaps with game capsules and, and articles from the Reading Eagle and other newspapers and the videos that I've been converting the game film. You can see some of that on the website or also purchase that to own via the merchandise store. The game used jerseys are on there, a bunch of other apparel from the team and from the show. So definitely continue to go to bulldoghour.com. Do you have anything to add? Um, no, except yeah, like 
to just kind of echo what you said, um, if you haven't checked out the website, I think you'll be blown away um, by all the stuff that's there. Um, so uh, click your way over there and uh, check that out. And then like and share everything that you see. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> Pretty simple. All right. So for the entire Wilson football program, I'm Joe Mays. He's Justin Raffoff. And remember, go Bulldogs. Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.